You are listening to Crosstalk. A safe place to discuss addiction, recovery, harm reduction, and everything in between. Support for this podcast comes from the Kentucky Opioid Response Effort and Advocates of Recovery. Content and production by the team at Turning Point Recovery Community Center. Now, buckle up and get ready for the show. Welcome to Crosstalk Recovery, the recovery podcast that supports all forms of recovery. I'm Matt Lewis, and I'm here with Sam Peterson. I'm Mike Bogan. And Andy Wallace. And they're here today from Neartown. You guys work out there. Uh, I don't know you guys, and I've never been to Neartown. I've only been through one recovery program, which was Centerpoint. So I'm kind of curious about what you guys do out there. Could you tell us a little bit about, uh, a little bit about Neartown? Yeah, yeah sure, man. Um, what we are is a, uh, a short-term residential treatment center for men. Um, we call it short-term because, you know, a lot of treatment centers, they, they say 28 days, and that's kind of that's not what we do. It's, it's all based on assessment, and it's person-centered, so each treatment plan is kind right. of individual. Um, but <clears throat> I'll, give, I'll go back and give you a little bit of history. Um, we started as, you know, strictly a, a 12-step model. We, we, we got guys in there. And we just took them through the steps, um, you know, out of the big book, just page by page in sequence, um, as you know. And uh, we tried to do that in about a month's time. Um, the issue with what we were doing at that time is it just wasn't very, um, wasn't very sustainable. There, there's not a lot of guys in treatment, or not a lot of guys want to go to treatment and can afford five or six thousand dollars. Right. I know yeah. when I went to treatment, uh, I didn't have five or six thousand dollars. So yeah. yeah, no, you could not get me into treatment with five thousand dollars. I used I used as an excuse for a long time. I was yeah. like, I can't afford treatment. That's why I'm not going. You yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of progressed from there. Um, we had to, you know, that wasn't working long term, and so we just, you know, Jeremy, he's our executive director yeah yeah he he started man he just started working like crazy and and looking in different directions of what we could do and and medicaid seemed to be the way to go for our area and in doing that it um you know it brought in a lot of new things into what we were doing uh, clinical side medical um but we were still able to 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 kind of keep it near town and 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 stay on the 12 steps so it, it now it's just uh, it's 12 steps with um, with more, you know. It's It's got yeah. uh, just a lot. It, it made it so that we could involve a lot more people and, and have more resources. And, and, uh, so. You all are operating a dog sanctuary as well, right? Yes. <laughs> That's cool. We've got, a, we've got a dog rescue as well as a, a dog graveyard. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of dogs out there. Yeah. I, I, I always enjoy transporting the guy out that way when I get to because I know I'm going to I'm going to get to pet at least three or four dogs yeah. before I leave. Well, yeah, I've heard it was really beautiful out there. It's like out in the woods, you have a pond or something. You know, that's that's really cool. I would have liked that. Uh, you know, we didn't even get to go in the woods till I graduated. That's behind Center Point. You know, and there's nothing pretty out there. Uh, how far do you guys usually make it through the steps at your program? So what we're doing now is uh, the first three steps. Um, when we started originally, we were trying to take people through the, the whole 12 steps, which was awesome, you know, when we were able to do that. But it's pretty easy to do that when you have three guys in your treatment center, you know, that you, that right. you're, but you start putting, you know, 16 guys into, into this and, and, and adding clinical and adding all this other stuff that we're doing. 
we try to be at really um, a solid first three steps. That's what we do. Awesome. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> I know I've been out there a few times, and it's, it really is. It's, it's out in the woods. It's peaceful, quiet. Uh, but you all also have recovery housing. Is that correct? Yeah, sober living. Awesome. You know talking about? Yes. Yeah. yeah, we got sober living. That's actually how Neartown started. Okay. Um, Jeremy, our, our director, he he started the sober house. Gosh, it's eight. I don't know the exact number, but it was eight or nine years ago, I think. Awesome. Um, and that's actually how, how I got involved with Neartown. Uh, my journey started long before I got sober. You know what right. I mean? I, I landed at the sober living house about, gosh, six, seven years ago. Went through there, and, and I had that was actually what made me want to be a part of recovery was that experience. I had a really good experience, you know, over a three- or four-month period at that sober living house. At the time, the treatment center didn't exist. Um, so, but I built some bonds in that area through that experience and then, you know, went back out. And I heard, I heard on your other one you called it, had to get some more education. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, did, I did that for a few years, and then... Uh, I was just in a real bad spot, and and uh, Jeremy and, and his partner at the time, Kenny, reached out, and they're like, hey, you know, do you want some help? We have, we've got some more stuff going on. So. And most of the people that work out there are in recovery as well, correct? Yeah, just about. Yeah. Uh, just about everybody. There's a couple that aren't, but uh, the cool thing is, is they're able to relate to people in recovery in a way that I didn't realize possible, man. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I know uh, <laughs> I get jealous every time I go out there in the summertime. They 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 don't have a, a dress code like we do. They get to wear <laughs> shorts and tennis shoes nice. to work. And uh, uh, I go out there and everybody's in shorts and tennis shoes. It's all laid back, and I'm like, man, that's nice. <laughs> that's <is> nice. <laughs> Pretty casual out there. It gives you a nice family feel, though. You know. Uh, I think the last time I was out there, the guys were out there playing cards and stuff. It was in during their break time, so I mean, and, you know, it was a good group of guys out there. And, and y'all, what what are y'all job title? Y'all both recovery coaches, or do you have different job titles? Uh, we're both peer support specialists, but uh, yeah, that's not really what we do. I mean, we have a peer support standpoint, but uh, I'm a lead guy, and this is my supervisor. He's okay. the what is it, guide supervisor? Yeah. That's technically my title is the guide supervisor, but honestly, Mike does most of that. He recently took took about eighty percent of my responsibilities. Awesome. Um, and I'm starting to do some like some compliance work, um, health and safety inspection, uh, accessibility plan. These are just a couple of things I'm working on right now. Um, they didn't change my title when they changed my responsibilities, <laughs> but it's cool. Like. My life has become significantly less stressful um, since Mike has gotten involved, and he's, he's doing a great job. We'll be awesome. right back. I'm Joe. This is Christy. We're from Neartown Recovery Center. We are a state-licensed short-term residential treatment center for men with addiction. If you're hopeless and broken and can't quit on your own, come join our family and let us love you until you can love yourself. Give us a call at 270-489-2594 and find us on Facebook under Neartown Recovery. Very nice. Y'all have a step uh, step work group coming up real soon, correct, too? Yes, we have a 12-step uh, workshop. 
uh, April 22nd, 23rd, we have uh, Scott L. and Barclay R. from Nashville. Uh, these guys do this. You know, it's uh, if you had a professional step worker, you know, it would be it would be Scott L. So they uh, they come up, they break down the steps for us. And uh, I think they even had some comedic value. Awesome. And, yeah, I heard they were real good. I tried to go see them when they weren't supposed to be here a little while ago, and yeah. snow or something kept them from coming. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to Scott since then. He said he uh, he felt terrible about it, and he wished he wouldn't have made the decision that he had made. But hopefully they'll they'll be there at ours, and if not, we got a contingency plan. Uh, we got a, a whole weekend of stuff. We got uh, – we got some raffles we're doing. We're giving away $1,000 cash. We're giving away a 65-inch smart TV. Awesome. Uh, we got uh, a giant envelope full of gift cards. We got a date night package. We're, you know, we're just, we want people to see, especially new people, that, uh, that recovery is fun. It's, awesome. it's not boring. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. I talk about that all the time, how important fun is in recovery. That's, that's what we try to, you know, because we work with people off the street, new into recovery, or just out of, out of places you know, 28-day rehabs a lot of times. And uh, I always try to stress that there is fun in recovery. Oh, yeah. It can be had. Because I, I don't know about y'all guys, but when I first got sober, I didn't think that could happen. But um, that's why we do the recovery hikes. We're doing the trip to to Holiday World, those mm-hmm. kind of things. And I like that y'all are doing the step works and getting these guys out. And uh, What I really like about your program is the that you have the recovery housing along with it. So, you, if a guy needs extra help, it's it's there. I've also known you've also sent some guys to long term out of there as well. So I know that y'all are near town, but you work so great with all the other re- recovery resources in the area. And I know that's something we're both big on is trying to bring this recovery community together. And uh, yeah. yeah, I know y'all got sure. y'all know more about Murray than I do because it's a little out of my scope, but. Working with y'all, I get to know more about it. So that's what I'm real grateful for that. Yeah, we want to build relationships with everybody in the recovery community. Uh, I mean, starting in Western Kentucky, you guys have a lot of things to offer over here, and uh, I think if we all work together, we can we can uh, kind of chisel away at this thing. You know, a lot easier than if we just tried to do it alone, or if you just tried to do it alone. You know, <clears throat> that's what I like about where I work is because it's open to all pathways. So it brings so many different people and different forms of recovery together um, real quick what what is your favorite thing about working in recovery because it's not for everybody you know i've always said either working in recovery is going to enhance it or it's not because it's it's two-edged sword sometimes that way some some people don't respond well to working in recovery it's just yeah. too much on top of if you know if they're they suffer from substance use disorder but what, you, what is the biggest benefit to y'all working in recovery well it's definitely not for everybody uh there, there's not really one uh, biggest benefit. I, you know, it's I love it all across the board. I love uh, seeing people, you know, when they crawl in the building, green and miserable and hopeless and broken, <clears throat> and then seeing that same person in three or four weeks, a completely different person. That's that's my favorite thing about. It. If it had to come down to one thing, that's my favorite thing, you know. And then after that, see them out in meetings, you know, see them a year later picking up a chip, getting their kids back, getting a car. That's it, good stuff. I mean, yeah, the good the good dope, as Jeremy would say. <laughs> yeah. And it really is. It yeah. really is. I've worked at other treatment centers, and, uh, uh, you know, I liked it, but uh, uh, yeah, we kind of had a philosophical falling out at some places. But with, uh, with where I'm at now, it's uh, – I can go to work when I'm not working. You know what I mean? That's – 
that's how cool Neartown is. People people show up early to work. People come in on their day off just to be around. It's, it's our people out there. You know, uh, Andy said most of our people are in recovery. Everybody but two people's in recovery, you know, and they actively work a program. Uh, we're just good people, and we just bounce off each other. You know, we, we use teamwork. We, we, we do everything that uh, a well-oiled machine should do. Awesome. Yeah. And my favorite thing about working out there is the laughter. I mean, in recovery, I've experienced more laugh. I've I've experienced more laughter in three or four years of recovery than I had in my entire life preceding that. You know, and I think what what it is 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 feeling at home where you're at. You know, having yeah. like it doesn't feel like work where we're at. It feels like we're going to to be with our family. It's like a second family. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. That's my favorite thing about it. Is it is it yeah, the people. For sure. I agree completely, and like it's so weird. I've noticed everybody I know who come through who comes through recovery, they always comment on the laughter and the being able to laugh and smile again and have fun. Realize you can have fun sober. Like I was at church the other day, and and a guy was up there giving his testimony, and he was talking about when he went to a recovery center. I don't even know about that. It was the belly laughter that got, that kept him there, and it, that's a common thing through everybody. It's it's amazing the healing power of laughter, and that that just makes you like, okay, this feels good. If I keep doing this, yeah. maybe I can keep feeling like this. You know, yeah, it's an amazing man. thing. You know, I, I think you can really tell when you're in a good spot in recovery when you walk in and you have that family atmosphere. It just feels like like a home. You know. And if the, the people that work there feel that way, then, then the, you can tell the clients are going to get a piece of it, too. That there's genuine love, compassion, concern, and all those things. And I feel that when I go out to y'all's place. That's why I like going. Anytime, the reason Matt's not been out there on a transport is because usually I just gobble him up and say, I'm going to take that guy. You know, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll go out it. there and see everybody. Yeah. yeah, I need to get out there for sure. Man, that's why I never left near town. I mean, I showed up as a guest. And I never left. I mean, I just, yeah. I've stayed in treatment and, and I've just remained there and just changed roles, you know, but yeah. it, I, I got there and I felt like I was at home for the first time in my life. I, in fact, that was probably the first place I ever truly felt at home was in that treatment center. You know, I lived out there for, I lived there for 15 months, you know, and at the time they were selling it as a, a 30 to 90 day program. Yeah. And I ended up staying out there, you know, and, and found, a, found a family. And it wouldn't, to leave that place wouldn't be like leaving a job, you know, I mean, it'd be like leaving a life, you know. I'm going to give you all some big kudos, too. I, I, I transported a guy out there, and he ended up testing positive for COVID when he got there. And he was an unhoused individual. We didn't know what we were going to do. You know, of course, he couldn't go into a residential treatment program with, with that stuff. And these guys found him a place to stay for until he was COVID-free and then brought him in the door. And that's when I was like, man, these guys really are just about the people. Because, of course, I had to sit in my little corner for a few days until I tested negative. Yeah. You know, but, you know, that's part of it. And, uh, but, uh, man, I was really – that's when I knew. I was like, man, these guys, these guys care, you know. Yeah, it's not hard to see it in Airtown. Uh, that you know, the we make all these videos, right? And we try to be humorous and and use the the Rule sixty two. Y'all know the Rule sixty two. Okay, don't take yourself so damn serious. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we try to do that, and we and we try to uh, just relax with it. These guys can tell by by what we're saying that you know we know 
from our experience what what's going on you know we can we can relate to these guys when i when I tell them I was homeless living under a deck or living in a field behind Walmart, you know, people dying all around me, they can relate to that, which makes it easier to uh, to build rapport with them. You know, Andy can do I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them. Uh, and when I first met Andy, uh, me and my sponsor went out to Neartown to volunteer. I had, oh, been, no. I had been maybe sober a month or two, and uh, I met Andy. He's from California, got long hair, no shirt ever. <laughs> and... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, Jeremy takes us to this uh, church basement, uh, something something about church. I don't remember what it was, but, uh, you know, I remember Andy. We came out of there, and uh, Andy was like, man, those guys. He was still in probably some meth-induced psychosis, I would think. But uh, he, he said these guys, these older guys were uh, reptilian aliens, and they knew that he knew <laughs> that they were <laughs> – that they were aliens. So dead serious. Yeah. Too. yeah. Oh yeah. Dead uh, serious. It wasn't smiling yeah. when he said it. Yeah. So you can say something like that, and you can relate to these guys. They know that we know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, that makes me think about first time in treatment. I got in there and I thought they were putting something in the Kool Aid because everybody was happy, and all I would do was drink sodas out of the, right. the vending machine for like the first week because I was I, in, my, in my brain I was also a baby and a little meth yeah. induced psychosis. <laughs> I really thought they were putting drugs into the Kool Aid that were making people that way or brainwashing them or something of that nature. So I was. It's hard to believe. It's hard to buy into that. How's everybody happy? I'm miserable. I want to yeah. die. How are all these people happy? It's it's really hard to buy into. You gotta you gotta stay around for a little bit to to get an understanding. Yeah, yeah. I remember initially having a few little little short recovery experiences and getting to know some people that were truly happy. And every time I'd go back out, I'd try to convince myself that it was a lie, that they weren't actually. Yeah. That they were just you know that they were actually miserable inside and that that yeah. it was all it was all show. And I've experienced it. It's it's real, man. Like there's happiness like we can actually be present in our lives and enjoy what we're doing you know it's crazy crazy. yeah i know coming down from quarantine it was like 10 guys that told me they love me i was like (laughs) where am i this is not cool i didn't like it at all at that point and it took me a while to get used to it but you realize that they they really do care about you you know and and like you said it's a family and that's what kept me there for the longest time till i actually started trying to work the program it was the fellowship the laughter and the love you know yes mm-hmm. <laughs> you know every treatment's a little bit different i think and i know my view is you get people into treatment as many times as they're willing to go i know i didn't get it the first time I know some of y'all didn't yeah. get it the first time. Yeah, Matt, Matt's still on his first time, so we hope he keeps it that way. Because <laughs> relapse does not have to be part of recovery. It is it is what it was for me. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody. You want to know something? My biggest issue with meetings is despite their name, they're never about me. Here at Turning Point, all of our meetings are for you and about you. We have meetings at least three times a day, seven days a week. We are located at 415 Broadway, Paducah, Kentucky. Call 270-444-3621 for more information. Here lately, have you been having some guys come back, anything like that? Or? Are you talking about like like retreads? Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I'm a retread, so I don't always sure. like to use the term, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's like, yeah. oh, he's a retread. <laughs> you yeah, know? I'm always happy to see somebody come back, man. All right. Because I know how difficult that is. Mm-hmm. Um 
my you know myself I, I relapsed honestly I don't, I don't have any idea how many times I relapsed but I went through treatment seven times I went through the same treatment center three times and uh, I got worse and worse and worse every time I know how much harder it is to come back in um, especially when uh, when you care about the people and then you, you feel this like personal shame and guilt like I failed you or I, I I've had people come in after a relapse and apologize to me mm-hmm. for relapsing I'm like dude not necessary like there's no apology necessary here you know because i've yeah that's just what that's just alcoholism man that's just what it is you know, you know? Uh, the guy i know the other day he said man i hadn't wanted to come talk to you because i relapsed and i knew you'd be disappointed i was like did you yeah. think i wasn't gonna love you just right. the same i mean it's, i've been through relapse i mean that's you coming in here and wanting help is, is big to me because I know for me, the first time in recovery, it was Department of Corrections. Second time, it was it went Department of Corrections, but it, I was not too far from being away in trouble if I didn't get some help. And uh, I see guys go into the meetings sometimes pick up white chips, and I'm just like, man, I wish it was that. I could do that. But I always had that same feeling. But if you have, I feel like if you have a safe place that is always accepting, then a guy might not have to go all the way to those depths every time before he comes in. That guilt, shame, and remorse sound quite as bad. Yeah. And I think that's what y'all do out there, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, I've heard that uh, relapse is a part of recovery. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I mean, it can be, obviously, but uh, when you think about relapse, I, I think about relapse as being a return to darkness. Mm-hmm. So when I went to treatment three times, and uh, <clears throat> each time I left the treatment center, I never did anything. You know, for recovery, I never did any. I went right back to the same environment I went to treatment to get out of. You know, so I never really got to see any light to return to darkness. And once I actually uh, put in the action, did the work, you know, I haven't returned to darkness. And it, it, it can be part of recovery, but I don't, I don't think it has to be. It's not a requirement. Absolutely not. No, I mean. No, and, and I'll just say for me, I, I agree. I don't, it doesn't have to be. I think people say that a lot just to encourage people to keep trying. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to keep coming back, not to give up. Like, oh, I relapsed, and I, that's it. I tried, and one and done. No, I think it's good to have people believe that, you know, if I, if I messed up, this happens, can come back again, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> it's all about getting back up and dusting yourself off and trying to get back out there, you know? Um, so many times I needed hope. And a lot of my hope came from guys that had, you know, fallen down and gotten back up, especially once I had fallen down and needed to get back up. Um, I, you know, I, I, I always say, you know, I'm just too hard-headed to get it the first time. I just was too oh, yeah. hard-headed. I had, to, I had to find that out for myself. So the guys I work with now that it's their first time, I always tell them, be like, look, you see that guy that, that is the retread? Learn some stuff from him mm-hmm. because he knows what it's like to go back out there. Because, you know, people always tell me, your disease is out there doing push-ups. I never understood what that meant. It meant that if you relapse and go back out there, you start off where you were at or probably worse right. than you were <laughs> yeah. before. And uh, it gets real bad real fast. Plus, I knew uh, just enough to make that first use miserable so you know it wasn't even like a honeymoon period for me it was just immediate misery and doom and darkness like you talked about i don't so you know what what i didn't realize preceding every relapse was like the seriousness of my situation that i can uh, that was like the one common 
because uh, uh, every time I would end up in darkness or end up in this, you know, people call it rock bottom, I always assumed that that was the worst that it was ever going to be. You know, I'd come out of that like, man, I'm so glad I survived that. Yeah. You know, I hit rock bottom. And uh, and then what I found out is that it, it, it progressively can get significantly worse. It does. I mean, it significantly worse. You know, I thought losing... I thought losing material things, you know, was bad, and and then I got to the point where I didn't I didn't even care about material things, you know. I just it, then the family goes away, then 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 you know where it went for me was the sanity went away, like my grasp of reality left me completely for for an extended period of time, and uh, that I can say, well. Really, the only thing I could imagine that could be worse would, you know, be obviously death or, you know, life in prison or something like that. But but losing losing your grip of reality, man. I remember when I came into Neartown, I was probably, you know, this Mike told that little story about the aliens, and that's funny, but it was that was really where I was at. Man, I was carrying around a set of keys for my first, I don't know. Two or three months at Neartown, every day. I'd uh, end of the day, you know, you take your keys out of your pocket, you put them on the dresser at night, go to bed. Next day, you get up, put your keys in your pocket. I was two or three months sober before this one day. I I put my keys on the dresser, and I look at them, and I realize that none of those keys actually unlocked anything. And I had been carrying them for a really long time. Yeah, I'm sorry to laugh, but no, you know, I mean, it's just it's, it is funny. It's it's funny, but that's the that's so that I mean was when I, this stuff and it really helped me, man, because it really started. I started to lose trust in myself, yeah. which was a necessary part of the process. Like I, as long as I had some sort of hope in myself, some sort of belief that. I could do this or that I had that I you know I had some sort of control then I was yeah. I, I was destined to go back but then I finally got I got to that place where I just didn't even believe my own I didn't believe my own stuff anymore yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know for me the last time I went to treatment I had gone before because the departments of corrections sent me I had gone gone tried to get sober for mom and I've tried to get but I had never really I don't when I look back at it I don't know if I ever really worked step one you know I did I just didn't truly believe that I was powerless and uh but that last time I went to treatment I was in the detox room staring in the mirror I did not like the person I was staring at and I was completely and totally I was like I obviously you can't do this on your own you've tried absolutely every way how to to do this i tried to take pieces from the book and use just a little bit but still leave a certain way and not be a real spiritual individual um this time i have completely changed my life in so many aspects that it's i i can't talk about them all today but for me it just i had to come to the point where you know what i'm tired of living the way i'm living so i'm willing to do whatever it takes and I know I can't do it on my own. Yeah. I had to get there. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember the first time that I went uh, to treatment, I had a lot of uh, issues, we'll call them. But when I got to treatment, it was, I realized it was kind of like a, a high school setting. I, 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 
I really got confused when I pulled up to treatment. There were females there. They were all playing uh, volleyball, and I, I immediately knew there was no chance of me succeeding. I wanted to be uh, Romeo. I wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. I wanted to be the coolest guy in the room, the toughest guy in the room. So there was just no getting through to me. It took me a couple of times, and a couple of people actually uh, that I'm still very close with, they well, step one, you know, can you identify with step one? If you can identify with this, that you have – uh, no power of choice or control. You, you, you can't stop, and you can't keep from starting. Buddy, you're gonna need help. You know what I mean. You cannot mm-hmm. do this alone. Once they broke it down, you know, in in that kind of manner, I was like, okay. So the next time I went to treatment, I was, I remembered what they said. I was badly mangled, like the book says. You know, the book doesn't mention a bottom, uh, but uh, for me, the bottom was. <clears throat> It was internal. You know what I mean? It was an internal bottom. Uh, I didn't have anything, you know, but several months prior to hitting that, so it, it wasn't external. It was just being alone with nobody to turn to. Uh, you know, just thinking my family would be better off without me in their life, you know, and, and I remembered. So we, I remembered where to go, you know. So we, these people that are retreads, as we call them, uh, you know, we plant seeds for those guys like they did me. And and they'll remember, you know, they'll they'll know where to, when they are ready, they'll remember where to go, whether it's your place or ours or wherever. You know, I have a disease that's always telling me I don't have a disease. Yeah, man. Yeah. And it, for me, I think that's why we, I talked about it last time too, but I'm always going to talk about it. Narcan is so important today. Oh, yeah. Because that – most of the time, guys don't get it their first time. You know, and unfortunately, so many of the drugs today are not what they're supposed to be, or even if they are what they're supposed to be, if you use them like I did, OD is probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we need Narcan every – I mean, I think it should be in every stairwell, every car, every school, every bathroom at a gas station. You know, that's my personal belief, and I wish that was the way it was, but it's not. But – uh I always say, if you don't have Narcan, have Narcan, because you never know, you might be the one person to save somebody's life. And that's just having it in your car with you, whatever. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. And we're trying to get it out there. We are. Turning point. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, we do do Narcan boxes. or if, So if, if you are interested in Narcan, please give us a call here at Turning Point. We will, we will do our best to make that happen. Awesome. Right. Well, this was great, man. I appreciate you guys coming out. Uh, it was informative for me. You know, it's happy to hear what you guys are doing out there. Um, I, I got to get out there and check it out for real. Hopefully, Sam will let me transport sometime. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe bring him with you, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah, I'm. There like. you go. We'll just ride together. <clears throat> I'll drive. <laughs> um, you don't like my driving? No, I want the mileage. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we're <clears throat> sorry. We're also on, we're on YouTube, but we're also available in audio at uh, Apple, Google, um, Spotify, all of it, Podbean. Uh, click the link in the description. Uh, Mike, Andy, appreciate you guys coming out. Awesome to have you guys, man. Y'all keep doing the, the good work. It's awesome. All right. Stay grateful. Thanks, guys. Thank like you. and share. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction or in recovery and needs guidance. 
Speak with Turning Point's team of peer support specialists by calling 270-443621. You are not alone, and we are proof that recovery is possible.